Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that would be helpful to accomplish our purpose. All right, here we are, uh, Sermon B-Side Podcast. My name is John Robinson. I'm one of the pastors at Liberty Harrisburg in beautiful Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And my name is Matt Mulloyan, and we are coming to you live uh, once again, as we did a few weeks ago, from the westbound lanes of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yes, very few deer um, on the side of the road this time. That's so, true. That is true. It's positive. It is a gorgeous day, and uh, we do apologize in advance for any background noise that comes through uh, while we're recording uh, this episode. Uh, there's a, a bunch, though, for us to, uh, to get into uh, when it comes to, uh, to Samson. we got a couple questions in. Yeah. we got this week. we got next week. Uh, crazy enough, John, we're, we're actually almost at the end of this entire series, yeah, and amazing. Advent is only like a few weeks away. Thank God. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's right. No, seriously, I'm I'm so excited. There there is in in reading that line again, the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, I don't see that a lot in in the Advent story, so I'll be glad not to have to read that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yet again. Oh no, yeah. you and me both, man. I um I've been really grateful for even in my own personal life and worship. The rhythm that we've done together as a church the past few years, being in an Old Testament book uh, during the fall months, mm-hmm. getting to do a deep dive into books like Ecclesiastes a couple of years ago, yeah. Nehemiah last year, and yeah. then Judges, of course, this year, uh, it really does um, build the anticipation, build the longing for uh, the arrival of Christ. It's really the, yeah. the Old Testament is there for. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's there for our example. It's there for uh, for us to see the, the character and the nature of God. It's there for us to uh, to really long for a yeah. greater deliverer than anyone we see yeah. show up in the Old Testament. Yeah, I can't wait to go through Lamentations. <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> the, lament, the laments. Oh man, yeah, we might not. Yeah, we might not come out the other side of that one. <laughs> we might we might go into a deep despair yeah. from which we would never return. <laughs> we have to we have to give people some hope. Some yeah. hope. Lament, lamentations for Advent. Can't that's wait. right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, no, we're we're only a few weeks out. We're gonna we're doing a great series actually uh, in the Advent series. Well, I mean, I'm biased, I guess. I think it's gonna be a great. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a great series yeah. uh, about Jesus as the prophet, priest, and king. This yes. threefold office, as it's as it's sometimes called, uh, referred to in various texts of scripture, referred to in some great confessions of yeah. the Christian faith. Uh, the threefold office of Jesus. Um, I think it's gonna be a welcome change of pace after. Uh, after reaching the depths of the spiral, which we are precariously close to, oh my gosh. now that we are uh, in Judges 13 through 15 in the yeah. life of Samson. No, the, the question that we're asking ourselves, and probably we'll ask ourselves even next week, like, how it's, it's the limbo question. How low can you go? <laughs> can you get down low? And, um, yeah, how, how low can we get with these these judges? Yeah. And uh, it's it seems like... The, you know, the, the depths of humanity, the depravity of man has no end. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, yeah, so I mean, like, let's just, we can jump into the, some of the questions as, 
as they are. We've got some good questions. Thank you guys again for sending those out. Um, and continue to do so. Continue to engage. If there's questions that you guys have discussed in your groups uh, beforehand, like from the week prior, you can still send those to us. Uh, one of those questions this week is that, um, coming from last week's message, uh, it says this. Whoop. There we go. This is the mobile version. All right, Judges 11, 29-31 indicates that Jephthah made his vow after the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The question was, did the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Jephthah have anything to do with his vow? Man, that is a great question. Um, we just don't have Steve King sitting in the back right yeah, now. Yeah, we do. We need to call up Steve real fast and get his, uh, get his quick take on it, but... I think how um, I think there's an aspect of this that would live in the realm of mystery. So what's really clear from that passage of Judges 11 is the spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, mm-hmm. and that Jephthah was then um, was then successful in the endeavor. Um, okay, was Jephthah Amorites or Ammonites? Um, um, Ammonites. Okay, I mean, you and I were together hanging out last night, John, and I was yeah. trying to refer to the Philippines, and I called them the Philistines. The Philippines. So I got judges. So I got judges' brain right now. I can't. So I can't brain. get out of it. I can't get out of it. Brain. But um, you know, the spirit of God was upon Jephthah to deliver him from the Ammonites. Um, I'm just going to double check. Yeah, there we go. But um, <laughs> yes, and that, that was the real act that, that God was bringing about by empowering Jephthah. So. Um, now, like, it, it still lives within the realm of the sovereignty of God, that the Spirit of God came upon him, and then he did that, he made that vow. But I think the parallel would be in our own lives, um, even to a different level for those of us who are in Christ and therefore have the Spirit indwelling us, is that we also, uh, though we have the Spirit, are still very capable of living according not to the Spirit, but to the flesh. Right. Um, and so whether or not it was the... It, I think where I would immediately go with it is, is the book of James and where God does not actually cause people to sin. Mm-hmm. And that vow being such a, um, as Steve did such a good job preaching about last week, um, an attempt for Jephthah to add something to the work of right. of God, to merit something from God, to merit, you know, the deliverance, kind of, kind of putting himself more in the mix there. Uh, I would call the vow that he made sinful and wrong. Right. And so, for for God to um, for just for God to specifically cause or empower that sin, I think is to go too far according to what James has written in James. Right. But still, certainly, the way that even our own lives play out and where we sin and we do horrible things that are opposed to the will of God, yeah. but have the Spirit. Those of us who have put our faith in Christ, uh, it's still possible for us to do horrible and sinful things, even though we have the Spirit. Yeah, it's. Um, and, and also, like, as we continue to read through Scripture, um, you know, we see these things happening um, congruently. Like, we see we see the Spirit of God in verse 29. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed on to Mitzvah of Gilead. And then, like, the next verse says, And Jephthah made a vow unto the Lord, saying... So, like, what happens a lot of times is we, we read these things as happening, like, at, at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. When 
you know, it wasn't just that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And, and then in the spirit of the Lord being upon him, he made this vow. It was in this, this long move and how long it took him to get from one place to another. And during that time frame and rallying people and talking, um, we lose a lot of times the, um, the expanse of time yeah. and That's the, right. the, uh, the realities of how long it took for something to happen and how long it took for this person to go from here to there. Um, you know, yeah. when we see things back to back in different verses, um, there, there is this assumption that these things are happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, now around the same time, yes, in the same kind of, um, movement, you know, he is moving down and it did happen as he was moving down before he got to Ammon where the Ammonites were, um, you know, that, that did happen. But as he was moving, as he was going down first, before he did that, the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And to, to kind of reiterate that fact, like the spirit was a, of the Lord was upon Jephthah to accomplish God's purpose for Israel in delivering them so that God's purpose in bringing a Messiah would come to fruition. Yeah. Right. And so God, God is, God is, 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 is protecting and preserving his people because God is a promise keeper. Yeah. Right. And so. Yeah. Yes, and and these are very imperfect deliverers. Yeah, that's right. right. Significantly flawed deliverers. Yeah, um, and yes. it, it's troublesome. Like we were we were talking uh, in our Bible study last week about like how in the world could Jephthah's name be in Hebrews eleven right. in the Hall of Faith yeah. when there is this thing, this thing that he was known for, you know. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't name our children Jephthah in the same way like the Hebrews probably wouldn't name their children Jephthah in the same way that we wouldn't be naming our children Adolf sure. or Joseph Stalin. You know, like, like he is so known for this one thing sure. that it was enough to like mar even the name of Jephthah in that community. Um, yeah, um, it's. I mean, it's maybe a little more complicated than the, the Stalin, you know, Hitler. Comparison, but you're right. It's and it is complicated to allow these guys show up in Hebrews yeah. 11 in the Hall of Faith. I think the um, I think you're right on there and insightful, John, with like the passage of time and how that can get obscured mm-hmm. in these passages. Uh, to, to kind of to kind of back out and do a survey of where the Spirit shows up in the Book of Judges, because the other question we got was actually about that. You know, that we yeah. see the Spirit of God. Um, and, it, and it's variously described throughout the book. So sometimes, like with Jephthah, and I believe with Othniel, the language is that the Spirit was upon those judges. Mm-hmm. Other times, it's that, um, in Samson's case, even in particular, which we were preaching about yesterday, uh, the Spirit stirred Samson, and then three times the Spirit rushed upon uh, Samson. And then with Gideon, the language is that the Spirit clothed Gideon. So you've got these varying kind of words used to describe maybe generally the same thing, but with a slight difference along the way. Um, the question that came in, which is a, which a really good one, was, you know, is the Spirit of God the same thing as the Holy Spirit? And if so, then why, 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 are, 
do we only see this horrible stuff playing out right. in their lives? Why do we not see some There's of the, the lasting change? There's no repentance. Change, repentance. Yeah. What we would see actually in the book of Galatians in the New Testament described as the fruit of right. the Spirit. Um, and so, great question. Yeah, great question. The first part, short answer, uh, Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit, we would say yes, it's the same Spirit, third person of uh, the triune God. Um, second part of the question, much longer answer, maybe a little more complicated to get into, but maybe the, the best framework to kind of lay for that is that um, a person like Samson or Jephthah, as we were looking back at, at Jephthah, um, would be empowered by the Spirit, but not necessarily indwelt by the Spirit. And so there's a difference in the way that the Spirit of God is at work in the people of God um, before the work of Christ, and then after the work of Christ, where God the Father and God the Son together send the Spirit to do even greater works than, than Jesus would do, the, the audacious promise that he makes there in John. Right. But where then the language of the New Testament is that the Spirit indwells those who put their faith in Christ, that he is a, a deposit, a seal, uh, guaranteeing our inheritance. And he still empowers, but in the New Covenant, um, as, he, as the Spirit is sent by God the Father and God the Son to the followers of Jesus, um, there is a... a meant to be a concurrent empowering by the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe we'd say the gifts of the Spirit go in tandem with the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Whereas here in the Old Covenant, we see evidences, especially in judges, of the Spirit empowering people, but not indwelling people. And so you get a lot of expressions of the gifts or the power of the Spirit, but without the reciprocal or tandem uh, fruit, the character of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and we're and we're we're taught in the New Testament also about how to discern um, the existence of the Spirit through that through that fruit. Like you you will you will know them by the way that they love one another. You will know them by the fruit that they produce. And so um, I think we can, in a way, um, try to try to see the Old Testament as prescriptive. Um, you know, well, hey, this leader has these evidences or this leader was uh, brought to power therefore the spirit of God must be involved in that or we can see really like that as maybe a an exception to what what God is saying is is how he's manifesting himself in the New Testament for for the people of God also for the ways in which he is revealing how the spirit of God is working in the new covenant yeah um so we can uh, we can we can know and have confidence in how God the, the the Holy Spirit works manifests Himself and the fruit that those of those who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit how they then should live. Yeah, and that's I think that's a really really good point, John. Particularly for our own, um, you know, the reason that we know the Spirit of the Lord was upon Samson. Upon Jephthah, rushed upon Samson, stirred Samson, is because it's it's been revealed to us so clearly right. through the Word of God. I think apart from that, we would not know that, and we'd probably be really nervous to say, "Hey, that was actually the Spirit of the Lord that did that work," right. because the actual work itself was so shocking and so contrary to the the commandments even of God Himself. Yeah. Uh, not to mention the Nazarite vow and things like that. But that's where I think you can 
the, the, the gift of the New Testament, the gift of the finished work of Christ and the work of the apostles writing down the New Testament, and even the way the Spirit works um, after the Spirit is sent by God the Father and God the Son, is that we do have that opportunity to discern what is of God and what is not of God in a way that would have been infinitely more complicated, I think, on in the days of the judges. Yeah. How, how did God? How did God use the? The, the judges, how did God use his people in the Old Testament to accomplish his promise and purpose? Yeah. And how, how, and that, that being a, a manifestation in, um, you know, we see like the Spirit being upon them, so like an empowering, right, um, for that. And then there's a, there's a presence. So that in the New Testament, there's a presence now in the, in the, in the life of the believer. Um, yeah. Because, you know, what we what we see through these judges is is their activity, is their actions, is their really even heart towards um, towards God is is far from Him. Yeah. You know, and and even in Samson, like very rarely, like maybe in two spots in the entire narrative of Samson, does he actually cry out? Yeah. And one of them could even be in question of like the authenticity of him crying out. Sure. Like you were saying uh, in thirteen where he was demanding water like yeah. I've all I've done this all for you like help your boy out yeah like yeah so I think there's I think there's maybe one maybe one authentic crying out to God um yeah. from a place of humility yeah so I think I think it's important for us to even kind of further distinguish like we we know and we can believe and trust that this is how and this is when the spirit of God is and dwelling in an individual, yeah. um, his presence is is evident because they they have the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Now that still um, that doesn't at all negate the way that God can still intervene and act to guide people who want nothing to do with Him and are right. apart from Him in our day. So there's there's a, I think there's a there's a place of discontinuity there with the Spirit's work from Old Testament to New, but there's very much continuity in the sovereignty of God and how He, as the as the, uh, the Proverbs or the Psalm, I'm totally drawing a blank reference where the you know the heart of a king is a river in the hand of God and He turns mm-hmm. it whichever way He wants. And there's there's a way that God will still intervene and use uh, people who really want nothing to do with Him, but even externally their actions are are completely contrary to what a life following faithfully after God right. looks like, but God is still sovereign in those in those places. And so maybe we would be, I think probably we would be reluctant to say that's the spirit of God empowering them. We'd probably be more comfortable to saying God um, is working. God is in, working in and through sovereignly through yeah. those places. Yeah. Which that that language seems to be safer, I guess, in, in taking the whole counsel of God into account, where we would be in danger, especially uh, not being, you know, capital P prophets mm-hmm. um, to to kind of look at someone in our day and age in our right. culture and say like that person has is being empowered by the Spirit of God to do this right. when their life looks nothing like the Spirit of God. I think you right. we should be really reluctant to very say that. Very dangerous, very assumptive. And we can very quickly find ourselves attributing to God that which is of Satan. Yeah. And so the, the discerning the spirits together now seeing the, the, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit in the New Covenant is much more that's where we should hang that's where we should be, make, make statements that are confident about where we see the Spirit absolutely. 
And I think it's it's better and more clear to say to ourselves and to other people, the other stuff is all, of course, underneath the sovereignty of God, um, but not necessarily empowered by the Spirit of God. That looks good. Yeah, Matt, you, you dropped a couple of um, uh, questions for us to consider in Bible study. Um, so you want to... You wanna, Let's rehash those as reminders for everybody and, yeah. and, and give a, a good encouragement as we finish up our time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, we'll talk more next week about Samson as a reluctant deliverer. By the way, we should pause that's and say that's, a, that's that, an Amish buggy, an crossing, Amish buggy. crossing over the overpass right now. Black horse, us. black buggy. Yeah. Someone was telling us recently about the different groups of Amish folks. I didn't but realize that different color, like, different color buggies meant different things. That's right. 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 It's just a preference. It's very similar to the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah, and the KKK, yeah. Oh, that's a song. Never mind. Um, sorry. Keep going. No worries. So, on. yeah. So, we'll talk next week more about Samson as the reluctant deliverer. Kind of like the burden that's been put upon us, even if we don't want it. I think that, let's save that for maybe next week. Yeah. Where I would say this week, uh, to focus your time in on, you know, this was uh, the conflict no one asked for. That was one of the, right. the main couple points of the sermon. Mm-hmm. And some of the questions in particular, they mean, um, you know, related to Samson, no one was asking for conflict with the Philistines. They just had accepted that. Where are, are we, in a similar way, uh, prone to make an illicit kind of peace, an illicit kind of allegiance uh, with the kingdom of this of this world? Uh, where do we find, you know, the necessary conflicts of the kingdom of God? Uh, and whether that is the exclusivity of the claims of Christ. Uh, whether that's some of the ethical implications of what it means to follow after Jesus. Um, it could be in any number of things. But where do, where are we maybe in our own lives, we great to talk out, this out in your Bible study group, uh, inclined to sweep those necessary conflicts under the rug and to just kind of embrace and elicit peace with, with the world. Yeah. Um, and where are we abdicating our responsibility as as faithful gospel presences yeah. uh, in our lives, in our families, in our um, places of work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, it's so good. We're not, I mean, we're not at all meant to be antagonistic or hostile people in the world. I mean, everything we read in the New Testament, everything we see in the life of Jesus, uh, gentleness and respect. We um, live peaceably amongst everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, we are... We are pursuing peace, you know, we are pursuing harmony uh, with people, but there are these critical distinctions mm-hmm. in which to actually pursue peace in those areas is to uh, forsake our identity as followers of Jesus. It is to really betray uh, betray our identity, uh, and it's to rebuke, it's to, it's to turn away from, from faithfulness and following, yeah. following God. Yeah. And there's... You know, and love, love doesn't abdicate itself. Like yeah. true love steps into those situations. And so, in a way, like so many times I hear and have have fallen prey to this mentality of like, you know, to love someone is to accept them, you know, fully. Um, yeah. But but to really love someone is to is to care for not just their personhood but their soul. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, not allowing people to run headlong into. Uh, the sin that will ultimately destroy both body and soul, uh, but to love them well is to step in and to speak truth uh, in love uh, to those people. And so I think it's a really good challenge, good thing for us to discuss in Bible studies, where uh, and to whom do we need to 
um, create maybe the conflict of discussion and really ultimately love for them and not, not hatred for them, allowing them to, to meet the end that may be their, their ultimate demise. Yeah. I, th- I think that's also, um, you know, also to kind of, I, I'd love for, you know, in Bible studies, which we can to kind of bring our own, our own current wrestling and our own lives into that. Mm-hmm. But then also, of course, zooming out and looking broader in our culture, where, where do we start to see God provoking conflict between, uh, the church and the world? Um, we've seen that play out over the course of history in different ways. You and I were talking about last night how in the 70s uh, there was a movement there where um, you know the um, groups of churches and, and kind of the drift that was happening theologically and biblically there, and then there was a resurgence. Uh, there was a spotlight kind of put on, like, actually these seem to be pretty irreconcilable differences. Right. Um, and then even, you know, in, in our own lifetimes, um, the uh, the emergent church that was gaining so much traction, and I was I was reading a ton of that stuff when I was growing mm-hmm. up, and um, and then you know out of the emergent church emerged a few people that said, hey, wait a minute, this actually is not the same thing. These are yeah. these should not actually go hand in hand, like theological orthodoxy with the some of the stuff that the emergent church was starting to to proclaim, and there was an important and necessary prying apart of things that looked like on the outside for a while they were the same. Mm-hmm. So where do you perceive that playing out in in our culture right now? Um, would really encourage you to live to live in the realm of what's the difference between the world and the church, and not to just import your political preferences and views into that. I know that's like all on our minds right now, and there probably are some topics that show up on party platforms that are these things. So I think that's like sure. feel free to go there in your groups, but but like let's make sure that the actual distinction that we are that where God is provoking conflict is at the place of the church and the world, not. You know this party versus that party. Yeah. Um, so, I, and then you know, like having then maybe talked about that a little bit in your Bible study group, then considering okay, how do how do we respond then as Christians if we start to see these places where God's stirring up some conflict? Um, yeah. What's a response? What's a faithful? What's a faithful, you know, what's a faithful response? Yep, that's no, good. Hey yeah, guys, hey, thanks again for tuning in to B sides. Uh, grateful for you uh, for the time that you guys spend each week listening, prepping. Uh, considering these things and then discussing them. Uh, We hope that they are an encouragement to you, that it's helpful for you. Hope you have a great week. We will talk with you soon. See you next week.